All right, normally I have a written out intro, but for this one, I have nothing because I don't know anything about the background of this film. Uh, so it's Death by Video. Here's a movie that you never seen. The map is some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles, there'll be tears. You won't watch a movie for about eight billion years. It's time for death by video. Time for death by video. And now the show will begin. Hey, 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 I'm Phil. I'm Kip. I'm always Graham saying welcome back to another episode of Merry Movie Mayhem. And tonight we are looking at the movie Night of 1000 Cats, uh, aka Blood Feast, but not that Blood Feast, the good Blood Feast from 1963 by Herschel Gordon Lewis, um, aka La Noche, Noche, sorry, La Noche des Las Mil Gatos. So I assume that's like Night of a Million Cats or something. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's like, 67 cats yeah i'm not good at counting uh numbers of cats there's too many cats but it's like maybe a hundred yeah it's not a thousand certainly not a thousand no and also it's more than one night too so yeah that's that's the thing i was getting at it's more than one night i did it was so like timeline goes all over the place it was a very strange film very padded (laughs) out it's only 63 minutes long. It is streaming on Tubi. I kind of highly recommend people watch it just because it's this weird hypnotic nonsense that goes on for 63 minutes and feels very padded out, as Phil was saying before, before we started recording, that it's a very padded 63 minutes. So before we get into our movie, guys, what have we all been watching since we last recorded? Phil? Oh, wow. I've been watching a lot of stuff. Um... I've been watching a lot less than I normally do, but what have you, what have you seen that's good, Phil? Okay, um, as far as first watches, a really exciting first watch was After Dark, My Sweet, um, based on the Jim Thompson book of the same name with uh, Jason Patrick and uh, Mm. Bruce Dern and Rachel Ward, who has basically disappeared from movies like 30 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, But yeah, just just a great mean noir movie uh directed by uh james foley of uh glengarry glenn ross and at close range fame mm-hmm. anything else phil um i rewatched uh, last temptation of christ i first saw that movie in high school mm-hmm. and i didn't think much of it then but i think much more highly of it now it yeah. has its it has its campy moments but it's overall a very powerful movie and I got out of the library, uh, Abel Ferrer's Bad Lieutenant. So I inadvertently uh, watched two Harvey Keitel Catholic movies yeah. this week. And I'm thinking of uh, rewatching uh, Mean Streets to, you know, kind of make a trifecta of uh, Harvey Keitel Catholic movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do love all the New Yorkers cast in Last Temptation of Christ. Like, yes. Oh, no, it's the Romans. <laughs> Yeah, because you got like Don Lurie and Victor Argo among the apostles. Mm -hmm. Even like you were saying, Harvey Keitel in there as he's Judas, right? He's Judas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
dude, I'm like, Jesus, what are you doing? We got to get out of here. Just <laughs> he was nominated for a Razzie for that performance. It, it, it's such a good, like, yeah, I love Last Temptation of Christ. It's like a movie that I also watched in high school. Um, because I it was right after Dogma came out, and there was all that hype about the Catholic League trying to get it banned. They're like, the last movie that they tried to get banned was The Last Temptation of Christ. And so when I watched it in high school, I was very like confused and bored by it. And then when I watched it again when I was older, I'm like, oh, this is such a good, good, good film. Supposedly it's still banned in uh Philippines and Singapore. That doesn't surprise me. The Philippines, no. especially the Philippines is a very, very very Catholic, Catholic yeah. country, yeah. I mean, it's not down on Jesus. It's pretty no, up on Jesus. No. Jesus is pretty chill, actually. Yeah. In this film. Mm-hmm. I almost say I show, remember that, show that to kids as opposed to, you know, the Ten Commandments. Although yeah. The Ten Commandments is awesome. If you guys haven't watched that movie lately, oh. I haven't seen it ever. <laughs> I, watched it since I, I, was a kid. I don't think I even watched it in its entirety. Always bits and pieces on a Sunday afternoon. Sorry, what were you saying, Kit? Uh, you got cut off. Oh, I'd say I'd watch it. That's all I said. Mm-hmm. I didn't even get cut off. Yeah, it's you gotta remember, like it's basically an action movie with Charlton Heston versus Yul Brenner. So it's like, oh yeah, there's a lot going on in the Bible, a lot of action. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how they got away with. I, they I, should do more Bible, uh, Bible movies. Really, there's there's a ton yeah. of uh, exciting stories going on. Yeah, but unfortunately, the last one was uh, what was that Ridley Scott movie, Exodus, Gods. And yeah, <laughs> that maybe didn't go off, but maybe have it. Has any anybody watched it? No, but it's a modern Ridley Scott film, so I can't see it being good. Of course, there's also Darren Aronofsky's Noah. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I haven't seen yet, but I've heard is uh, something. What else have you been watching, Phil, besides biblical epics? Um, I also watched uh, the prison movie from 1977 called Short Eyes. Oh, I've heard about that film. Was that on the Criterion Channel, or is that... Uh... No, it's... It's on Tubi. It's a show. It's Show Factory uh, has the rights to it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's also on Campy. I watched it on Campy, right. and it's based on a play which I think was nominated or won a Tony in the early seventies mm-hmm. by a Puerto Rican playwright. That's the one about the uh, the prisoner who is he a he's a rapist or a child molester or something. There's there's, there's a child molester. Uh, he's one of the only uh, white prisoners in this uh, holding uh, mm-hmm. this detention center, and uh, I, I forget which uh, New York uh, detention center is. It's not Rikers, but uh, Sing Sing. Well, yeah, it's the mm-hmm. yeah, it's Sing Sing, and it was uh, sampled. There was some dialogue that was sampled by Wu Tang on the W from that movie. Of course, there were, yeah, Wu Tang was in that film. And um, there are a couple blink in, you might miss it. Um, Mark Margolis has like a brief part. I think he has maybe one line. Uh, Louis Guzman, uh, mm-hmm. he has a non speaking part. In the so. 70s, Louis Guzman? Yeah, Louis Guzman. It was his. I checked the Wikipedia and it was his first role as a non-speaking part is one of the prisoners. So. Nice. And Bruce Davison is the pedophile uh, prisoner. Mm-hmm. How's, how's young Guzman looking? The same. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Cool. Um, Kid, have you seen, watched anything interesting since we last recorded? Uh, I haven't watched too much. I've only, uh, I've gotten in a few movies. Um, <laughs> 
like Phil, I also happen to watch Bad Lieutenant. I've uh, I'd never seen it though, so this was a first watch for me. I this was it. a second watch for me. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I saw Bad Very Lieutenant a while ago, back when Herzog's Bad Lieutenant came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in watching that one again too, because mm-hmm. obviously there are some uh, similarities there, uh, but I mean it diverges in interesting ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. Did I talk about Swingers the last time I, that we recorded? No. Yeah, so I watched Swingers for the first time, the 1996 John Favreau written film starring John Favreau. Uh, I liked it. It, w- it was a weird look at that that brief per- period in, in the 90s when swing music came back hard. Yes. Um, and like I could tell it was trying to invent its own like dialogue where people came out of it like speaking like people in it like they did in Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs. But it just did not like no one could say the word baby or daddy that too many times. Um, what else? I watched Weekend at Bernie's. Nice. Since I was a kid, that movie uh, it's not as great as I remember it at all. I mean, it's a great no. Catherine Mary Stewart performance. I'm always glad to see her and stuff. But uh, yeah, Terry Kaiser not holding up. Um, <laughs> I mean, he was being held up in the movie. I think they he had was. To. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Andrew McCarthy. You didn't feel compelled to watch Weekend of Bernie's 2? I kind of want to see that one because I watched that one more when I was a kid. I've um, never seen it. Oh, I saw but, it in the theater. Yeah, oh, I was a Weekend of Bernie's head, yeah. They used voodoo to resurrect Bernie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to get to his gold or something that's hidden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was a big trope in 90s sequels, like City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also watched the David Mamet film House of Games, which was really, really oh, yeah, good. Was... I'd never seen it before. Uh, Mamet, um, you know, his personal politics aside, I think he's probably one of the best writer directors out there, or was when he was operating. Uh, and then Creed Two, not as good as the first Creed, but yeah, interesting. Dolph Lundgren got a paycheck. Um, have you guys seen anything else besides Night of a Thousand Cats that we haven't discussed so far? Um, I rewatched One False Move that's on the Criterion channel, nice. which is fantastic. Um, a lot better than I remember it being. Uh, that was another heavy hitter from 92, you know, rewatches uh, Bad Lieutenant and uh, One False Move. Uh, great ensemble. Billy Bob Thornton has probably the most disgusting hairstyle I've seen anybody on screen. Mm wow how disgusting could it be i mean what's he oh, got going on you should watch yeah it's like the receding hairline unwashed hair the ponytail oh lord oh yeah yeah and he he's a real scumbag character there's a big uh, correlation between uh how scummy his hairstyle is and how much of a scumbag his character is sometimes that proves true yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he co-wrote the screenplay for that as well yeah well that film was originally supposed to be a like direct-to-video release oh really um, yeah but it was basically everybody it was billy it was the script that billy bob thornton co-wrote um that convinced people to like take it seriously because they pitched it as being like a you know direct-to-video action movie like a lot of direct-to-video action films that were coming out in the late 80s and early 90s and they were just like no we're gonna go full neo-noir with it we're gonna like just totally play it serious. We're going to get a good cast. They got Bill Paxton. Um, and then a lot of other people who were just kind of coming around. Was was Buscemi in that movie? No. No. I thought he was, but he wasn't. Um, 
but yeah, Billy Bob Thornton, it was his, we'll kind of put him on the map as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that that could have been a direct, was that live entertainment or was that artisan? No, it was IRS uh, releasing like right. the record label. Yeah, yeah, the record label. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were trying to get into the home video uh, market mm-hmm. and then they fell backwards into a pretty good film. Um, and I think Sony distributed it, maybe. Maybe Sony Pictures Classics, I'm thinking. Yeah, one of those. They were the distributors of it. Yeah. Kid, have you seen One False Move? I have not. No. Highly recommend it. It's really, really good. So with that being said, should we move on to Night of a Thousand Cats? Yes, oh. sure. <laughs> I did okay. a... Oh, you had something else, Kit? Sorry. What would yeah, you... I had a couple. I did, well, not that big big of a deal. Oh. I watched a Raw Deal. Nice. With Schwarzenegger there. Mm-hmm. Playing these. the uh, Chicago mob. <laughs> As an average small town American sheriff. Aimlessly yeah. infiltrating the uh, Chicago mob. Instantly. Mm-hmm. Just perfect. Uh, smooth operator in this one. Uh, it's just yeah. fun. I hadn't really seen it. Uh, I think maybe I saw it at a sleepover as a kid. I, it has those kind of vibes. But uh, yeah, it was fun, I thought. Um, and I also uh, watched for the first time in a long ass time Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> On the half shell, they're the heroes for In this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high, with muggings mysterious All police and detectives are furious Because they can't find the source of this lethally Yes, that movie holds up Really does mm-hmm. And honestly, the uh, the costumes, as limited as they are Especially the uh, the splinter one um, so much more endearing and uh, better than the, uh, I guess, more photorealistic CGI turtles that you can get nowadays. They weren't photorealistic in the new movies. They were just CGI. Right. It just yeah. seems fake. Whereas these uh, turtles, uh, even though you can tell that the uh, cost- costumes are costumes, pretty much. They still look great. They still look great, and uh, it, uh, it's just better. And they yeah. can they perform their little moves in those costumes. I mean, they had to be pretty good, I imagine. No, yeah, the first Ninja Turtles movie is awesome. I saw it on the big screen a couple of years ago at the, uh, the Review Cinema in Toronto. And, oh, it was so good. 35 millimeter print looked gorgeous. Um, I showed it to other people, and, and they, they do want to watch this, The Secret of the Ooze, the sequel, which I know is not as good. I enjoyed it as a kid. but I enjoyed I, it as a kid as well. It's going to be bad. Uh, the only thing that holds up about Secret of the Ooze is Ninja Rap by Vanilla Ice. <laughs> Ninja Rap is invented. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. can't not you can't sleep on uh, the Jim Henson Creature Workshop. Yeah. Uh, their their work on be not Bebop Rock City. Uh, Toka and Razor. Yeah, Toka and Razor. Yeah. Mm. Well, I wanted to point out that uh, the last project Jim Henson was involved with before he passed away was the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why you can tell there's a bit more like you'll notice the suits, even though they, they get they get better, they don't have the same personality that the first one did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting as well. I uh, watched The Mandalorian in the last week and a bit and having a little puppet for Baby Yoda as opposed to like a CGI thing sold it, even though he didn't move like, you know, he kind of did the, the Muppet walk. It still was like, yeah, way better. Way better. Always go for it. Who cares? Yeah. 
Yeah, don't use real animals like Night of a Thousand Cats did. Um, no. Uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's get into Night of a Thousand Cats. It's directed by Ray Cardona Jr. or Cardona Jr. Um, and it's starring Hugo Stiglitz. Stiglitz. Uh, yes, who inspired the character name in Inglorious Bastards, and uh, he was a Mexican actor that passed for European, and so he got cast in a lot of. Italian and German uh, exploitation films as well as Mexican. And I think he was also in some Spanish films. But what we know him best from is Umberto Lenzi's 1980 film, uh, Nightmare City, uh, which we watched at uh, one of my movie nights, which we should do on the podcast because it's a really interesting, crazy horror film. I think I missed that one. Yeah, so did I. Oh, really? So it's Umberto Lenzi, the director of Cannibal Ferox. He did a zombie film when they were all the rage, but he was like, no, we'll make them run and we'll make them drive cars and use machine guns <laughs> and, <laughs> and be problem solving. Yeah. So it's, and fly planes. I forgot they fly planes in it, but uh, we'll get all into that. So the does, film opens does up. Does he go fly a helicopter in that one? Does he? No, he doesn't. Uh, I was thinking he might've, but no, he doesn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, Hugo Stieglitz plays the character of Hugo in this film, who is, can best be described as a wannabe Bond villain whose method of transportation of choice is a personal helicopter that just flies around Mexico City trying to pick up women with. Yeah, I will. I mean, Hugo is obviously a despicable uh, character. Uh, he's a serial killer. Um, yeah. But man, he has some vibes in this, this film for sure. He has some yeah. looks. Oh, yeah. So we start off with him uh, basically like, who is it that he picks up? Um, Krista. Krista, that is her name who is a bubbly blonde woman that he takes back to his uh, mansion slash crumbling ruins with his, uh, whose only staff is a solo mute manservant. Well, well, the funny thing is, is like they're laying on the beach and she's like, I want to stay with you. And oh. he's like, I want to put you in a glass box. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, like giggles. Yeah, he holds up his like huge <laughs> brandy glass. He only drinks out of glasses that can hold like two liters of liquid at once. Bit of and a then, Yeah, it was actually an, a really interesting intro where he hold, held up the brandy glass to her, well, to the camera or to her to make it look like she's inside the glass. And then we see, cut to the camera's POV and we're looking at him through the glass. There are a lot of um, like, I don't know what you, what you would call them, artsy film school type things going on in this mm-hmm. movie. Oh, yeah. Um, so he takes her back to his mansion where do we go from there phil uh yeah he takes her to the mansion uh he's showing off uh his taxidermy collection and uh heads and cases well they're they're having like dinner right yeah and this is where uh the first i don't know cat appears in the entire film and it's a little worrisome oh when he chucks the cat over the wall yeah Yeah. when he eats it over the wall this cat looks dead I think it's a recently dead cat they used for this shot. Not the last incident of cats being flung around. Um, and <laughs> where do we go? Um, so yeah, see, so he explains that he comes from a long line of collectors, like his uh, ancestors collected stamps and coins, and uh, he collects as well. He's donated all of his stamps and coins to like museums, and now he's starting his own collection. Um, the I gotta say his like abode his home felt like it was something out of a Paul Nashy movie, um, which is where it's like this like classical European style estate, 
that's just crumbling and no one's there to take care of it. So he shows, we get to his cage of cats, which definitely looks like there's less than a thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens with this woman? I know that she sees his manservant. Uh, what's his, the manservant's name? I thought it was Doggo, but that can't be right. He looks like an off-brand Uncle Fester. <laughs> yeah, we'll say Doggo. Doggo works. Um, and then what, what happens from there, Kit? Uh, he, well, he, as you say, he's like, I, I collect something. Um, my ancestors collected stuff, but their collection sucked. Mm-hmm. I've got a real good collection. Um, and it's a collection of heads in glass boxes. That's what he has. Yeah. And she sees it and she starts to scream and he's like, don't worry. Those are only fakes. Um, <laughs> but she's still worried. And this is the funny, I think I, did I write this down? She's like, let's get out of here, Hugo. It's horrible. And then he just smooches her and she's like, all right, let's make out here. <laughs> um, and then he chokes her to death. Yeah. All right. That's how okay. I forgot. Cause I watched this movie a couple days ago. You guys only watched it today. And then we see them feeding what I assume is the ground up remains of his girlfriend to the cats. But then they yep. throw what's ever left of her body into Doggo throws the rest of them into a, uh, a chimney to burn up. Yeah. I guess the, the bones and mm-hmm. other bits of gristle. Yeah, and then he goes back to flying around in his helicopter. Yeah, the the description, the plot description, uh, I can't remember where you find it, is uh, is like Hugo is a uh, serial killer who stalks women in his helicopter, and it's like that can't be right. How do you stalk women in uh, a helicopter? It is very right. That's correct. Yep, that's that's an accurate description. Mm-hmm. He spends most of the movie stalking women in helicopters. Yeah, lots of trippy, <laughs> hypnotic. Scenes of him just flying around Mexico City in a helicopter with then a smash cut to the sun as a transition. Sense, do you get the sense that uh, one of the one of the uh, filmmakers, one of the lead producers, uh, somehow has a helicopter and they were like... 100%. Oh, yeah. They were like, okay, what do we got? We got a helicopter. <laughs> we got a this old estate. And there's a bunch of cats there. Let's make this work. Let's make a movie. That's definitely what happened. Because um, he tries to pick up a woman... Uh, and like a, on like a like an apartment building swimming pool, and they do a bunch of like number signs and things, and I can't figure it out. Um, what did you guys figure out the whole sign language thing where he was like trying to go like? I was I. It felt like he was just like, do you want me to put down the ladder? Do you want to like, a lot of this? Yeah, like do you want to get in the helicopter? Yeah, he was swinging his finger around, but then she started doing numbers, and he did numbers back to her. And then later on, he looked at numbers he had written down to go to that woman. But can you imagine, like, um, I don't know, some stranger comes up in a helicopter mm-hmm. and is like, you want to get in? I'd say, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, so at this point, he comes across the character who I thought her daughter's name was Kathy, but I think the actual character's name is Kathy, according to IMDb. Um, and I initially thought she was a single mother but it turns out she's married because she goes up with him pretty like really fast like as soon as like he drops a like he basically like seduces her by showing him his golf swing and yeah. what, what's the other yeah like that's i, I like, love that seduction yeah like watch this drive full-on george w bush uh, and by so. like pretty much full-out stalking her too just like mm-hmm. hey here i am you're here and then he drops a doll for her daughter and then she's like, all right, I'm going to get in the helicopter with this person I don't know, and I will go with him to his estate and start having an affair, despite that, the fact that I'm married. 
Uh, where do we go from there, Phil? Uh, yeah, they go back to the estate. They have coitus and. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And he tries to show her his collection, but she yeah, gets he spooked. He, mm-hmm. he, gives, uh, he gives the usual line. He's like, uh, only two people know about this. And by the two people, he means himself and his servant there, Doggo. Yeah. Um, but then the doorbell rings and it's a doctor. Oh, right. It's a doctor whose like, car is broken down and wants to get help getting to a, a house that he was called out to to make a house call. And right. yeah, she's creeped out and she's like, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to skedaddle. And yeah. she does. She encourages like, Hugo, aren't you at least going to give him a ride? And he's like, no, he can just walk or something. Um, and then she leaves and the doctor's like, can I at least use your phone? And Hugo invites him in, which is like, oh, bad move, dude. Like as soon as you get invited into that house, you're going to become cat food. Um, I'm just trying to see here. And part of the collection. It's, yeah, and, he yeah. doesn't. No, he no, he doesn't waste it. So yeah, he feeds the doctor to the cats, keeps the head, and puts it in one of his glass cases, which are these like aquariums on their side. Yeah, and it's funny because from this, from like you can see his collection beforehand, and it's like he's got a collection of pretty lady heads, mm-hmm. and it's at this point that he's like, I guess yeah, I'm just. I guess just tiny old head is fine. Uh, So he adds the guy's head to his collection. Yes, Phil. Yeah, so anything below the waist, I guess, is just fed through a meat grinder. So Because they're just like throwing like chunks of, uh, you know, hamburger meat at these Mm -hmm. cats. Yeah, the cats seem happy. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, it looks like... I mean, mean, I don't think there's enough to feed them all because, you know... Thousand cats, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's got this big ass ruined castle and he's got all these cats, but he keeps them in this friggin' square little pen. It's, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not like a glass thing. wall. Those cats would love roaming around that castle, dude. Let them out. Yeah, just sunning in the they're sun. They're really man. cute cats, too. I should also add. Yeah, they're not vicious, feral cats. They're literally no. house cats that are just like, why are we in this like cage? Just, wow. Um, and then we have a flashback to a woman known as Paulette. Uh, who is the only woman that Hugo doesn't want to add to his collection or feed to his cats. She's a hunter. She shoots birds, but his mute manservant does want to bring like feed her to the cats. So the manservant chases Paulette with uh, garden shears in slow motion. Yeah, Hugo... that was quite a scene, actually. The, uh, this yeah. looks like a five minutes of slow motion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was wild. Yeah, they got to pad that running time. Like, when we say this movie is hypnotic, we mean it like it just drags everything out and you're just forced to sit there and watch it. Yeah, so he chases her down. Hugo... With, uh, is... with um, shears, with his gardening yeah. shears. Yeah. Exactly. And Hugo is off getting a family pearl ring to give to her. Like I noticed it wasn't a diamond ring, it was a pearl ring. And I'm like, oh, they're even cheap when it comes to props. Um, <laughs> Hugo, along the way, stops to shoot a bird and the manservant kills Paulette. Yes, you do. And then she's the first head in Hugo's collection. So this is what kicks it off. Um, well, like just after this is going on, the mother, whose name I think is Kathy, but I can't remember because they never really said it. Uh, she keeps flashing back to her time at Hugo's while she's with her husband. Um, I, I love that. She's so unhappy with her husband. Yeah. And then we cut to the woman that uh, Hugo was doing the sign language with uh, who is lounging by a pool in a bikini, he's now with, and she says, oh, I just want to spend all of my time with you. And he has this really great quote, all things have a beginning and an ending, and nothing can change the fact that life ends in death. And he just leaves it at that. Like, that's his big, like, 
romance. But then it turns out that uh, he has to go because uh, she is actually like living. She's kind of in a sugar daddy situation with um, with whoever like owns the condo that she's staying in. So he has to leave, which which really pisses him off because he he's the guy that leaves women or like women have to leave people for. Um, where do we go from there, guys? Is this the part where they were like, I don't know, he, he's with her and they do that thing where like they're having a conversation and every time one of them answers the other one, they're like in a different part of the... Yes. That was also very artistically interesting as well. There's a lot of little artistic nuggets in this very terrible film. Um, <laughs> it's, it kept on intriguing me in those ways, though. Like, I was like, man, that's kind of neat. Maybe it's just because I, you know, smoked a little uh, uh, re- weed while I was watching it, but... Hmm. I found some of it interesting, but then, you know, you can't abide by the cat abuse. No, not at all. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's weird. Oh, is this also when he, like, tries to drown the cat in the pool? Yes, which yeah. is which is the most upsetting part in the movie. It yeah. was actually uh, clearly, uh, he clearly grabs a, a real cat that doesn't want to be grabbed, mm-hmm. drags it into the pool, and shoves it under the water, and holds it down there, and obviously they cut away. I don't think they yeah. actually drowned the cat, although... No. It, does look like the same cat that is um he flings over the wall yeah over the wall so maybe they did reuse that cat they did kill Mm -hmm. it i don't know yeah um this director is known for his animal abuse like it's it's like in another film he did i think like a uh like a dog was killed or or a horse was killed or something so like it's he's i wouldn't put it past him past him which also might be why this one got cut down significantly but we'll get into that um and so after this, he gives uh, Kathy's daughter a ride in the helicopter. No, and- no, it's, no. Well, he he flies by there, right? Um, and the dad's there. Like he flies by uh, the Kathy's daughter waves. Um, Kathy waves, uh, but the husband's there and he waves too. Um, so the guy like takes off, and then he reunites with that uh, brunette again. They mm. uh, they're snorkeling. They're on the oh, beach. Oh right, this is the com- canoe scene, right? Yeah, and then they get to uh, what seems like a power canoe of some sort. I don't know. Yeah. They're... It's a canoe with a motor. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they're just uh, with each other and together. And he's like, um, you know, maybe we should head back. And he's like, there's no need to. I've made a decision. You're mm-hmm. not, I don't know. He basically threatens her. He has a harpoon. Uh, she jumps out of the canoe and is able to walk. It's not even deep water. And she runs away. Yeah. And he chases her. By the way, Hugo Stiglitz did all of his own stunts. If you notice in it, he pulls the boat with a motor up, up to the edge of the, mm-hmm. the water, hops out of it while it's still running, and it goes away. I'm like, he could have easily fallen back and like gotten in, like gotten cut up by the, the motor, like the actual like uh, propeller. Yeah, he noticeably boat. stumbles out of that uh, boat mm-hmm. too. One take, I'm guessing, was all they got. Anyway. Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, like, I think the only instance of anything behind the scenes production wise for this movie is that the budget was like $1,500, which just can't be possible because they, they would have shot that much in film stock, at least. So, like, this is a very low budget film. I'm, I'm guessing we're seeing first takes for every single thing in the movie. So, which would explain a lot. Um, and then he, how does he get the woman that he chases? He, he, it kind of like is just able to track her down eventually um, back into the water and then uh, she struggles and then he forces her head down just like the oh, cat. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Foreshadowing with the cat. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. That's why that cat abuse had to happen. Yeah, and now after that, he goes to the um, to give the little girl a, a helicopter ride. Yes, then he goes back, and the little girl's there, and the uh, the husband and wife are gone. Uh, so he gives her a helicopter ride, and you're supposed to think, "Oh no, he's going to kill the little girl." Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. He doesn't. We see a cut to the thousand cats, and we're like, "Oh no, the little girl's been killed." Oh no. We forgot to. Uh, we've got one little detail. Oh, it's a doggo. Yes, doggo. Mm-hmm. Um, we we saw them earlier actually, just perched up uh, somewhere playing chess, mm-hmm. and he uh, he easily beats doggo. Yeah, they um, play chess, but then this time doggo beats him, and that's when he decides, okay, doggo's getting too smart, gotta off him. And you got another one of those uh, kind of. He's like, you're getting, uh, yeah, you're getting good at this, or oh, you're learning. Oh, um, and we got one of those clever uh, film th- things where when he kind of turns over his own king uh, in defeat. He also, a smash cut to him pushing Doggo off the ledge yeah. onto the cats, probably hurting a few cats. <laughs> um, and I guess they take care of him. Yeah. Although he does retrieve the head later on because we do see Doggo's head um, yeah. in, a, in a glass case. Mm-hmm. Doggo versus Cattos. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of Doggo. Um, and at this point now, he does finally bring... Uh, Kathy back. He convinces her to come back right after she's seen that. Hmm? After he flies her daughter back, and it's the funniest thing. It's like, oh, you kidnapped my daughter while I was away. Mm-hmm. How sweet. Yeah, and then I don't know. This movie is weird because, like, it's it's trying to describe the plot is almost impossible because there's so many helicopter scenes, um, and then even the scene now with Kathy back at the mansion. It's basically like she kind of realizes what's going on, like not fairly soon. Phil, where do we go from here? Uh, aren't we back at um, the the chamber of uh, heads and boxes? Well, they're in bed and they're drinking out of this giant wine glass. I guess it's a wine glass for two people or something. Is that mm-hmm. a thing? But they each have they have one. Well, no, they, they, they're just sharing one. They've just got oh. this one giant wine glass and they're just like, she pours half a bottle in there. They, they take turns sipping out of the big wine glass. Mm-hmm. Having a chill old time. And he's like, I want to show you something that only one other, one other person knows. Oh, I want to show you something that only one person knows about. And she's right. like, I thought, said, I thought you said two people. Mm-hmm. It's like, it used to be two people. And then she sees the heads and she fights back against the guy. And they basically she she frees the cats because she throws a spear at him, right? And the spear misses, and it impales the the fence that the cats are being held back by. And then the thousand cats escape, and they overwhelm. Uh, they jump right on him, and good on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone After years of abuse from uh, Hugo, uh, they finally get their revenge. Yeah. yeah. They, they- they chew right into them, but then the da- then it tries to become like uh, birds all of a sudden, where the danger is the cats, and she and she has to continue running away and like. It's oh, on- right. So many cats are being thrown here. <laughs> it just cuts cat- to like cats running down a hallway, and then back to her running away somewhere else, and then cats running down a hallway, and then back to her running away. Doesn't quite work. Yeah. Um, they even gets- have the cliche of her in the car trying to. T- the engine won't start and the cats are getting closer and closer and closer and they turn the ignition again and then eventually she finally turns it on and drives away and that's the end there's a sunset i think and that's it yeah that's one of like 18 sunsets in this movie 
Cats Wasn't just... it Sunrise? Because it was like day for night that they were doing Oh, that? right. Yeah, you're right. And sorry, kid, I kept cutting you off. What were you saying? It wasn't that good, but I was just saying the cats probably just wanted to hop in her lap and get some scritches. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to take a uh, quick pause right now because our meeting time is running out. So I'm just going to close this down, start another one, and then we'll do some trivia and uh, our final thoughts. All right, so we're back from our quick break, and now to discuss some behind-the-scenes facts. So, like I was saying earlier, there's pretty much no information on what was going on behind the scenes when it was filmed or where it came from. The only thing I could find is that it was originally 93 minutes long in its original Mexican release. Uh, It was then cut down to 73 minutes for its American release, uh, which then had a further 10 minutes taken out for the release that we watched, and it's best known for is the 63-minute version. Um, I'm assuming this was done so that it could become the back half of a double feature, but I wasn't able to find any posters for it being a a double feature release, but I mean, it only makes sense in 63 minutes long. Um, This film was the first appearance of noted B-movie actor Hugo Stieglitz on the podcast, who we were discussing earlier. Stieglitz is a Mexican actor who has over 250 credits on IMDb, which means he probably has well over 300 acting credits due to the sketchiness of film credits in Europe and Mexico and Italy, especially in the 1960s and 70s. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to go through them all because he's made so many movies, but he worked frequently with Night of a Thousand Cats director Rene Cordona Jr. Uh, he reteamed with Cardona Jr. on the films Bong Bong Al Hoyo, Vanessa, Un Pirate de Dove Anos, and a lot of other films, like seriously a lot of films, because all the films I just mentioned all came out in the year 1972, and that also includes Night of a Thousand Cats. Um, and they did other films outside of working together in 1972 as well. So like we were saying, he's probably best known for being the lead actor in Umberto Lenzi's Nightmare City, which I am a huge fan of. Uh, Nightmare City is also known as City of the Walking Dead, AKA Invasion of the Atomic Zombies. Um, and it will be a future Death by Video episode because we got to do that film. It's just, it's great. And I think it's on Tubi, so we might do it soon. Um, he's literally done so many movies that I've never heard of, and I can't even put together a comprehensive list of his best films outside of the work he did with Cardona Jr. And he's never stopped working. He's actually still working now, and he's been acting for so long that he's even now appearing in films directed by Rene Cardona III. Uh, so we're into a third generation of Cardona's. Um, so like I was saying, the film was co-written and directed by the late Rene Cardona Jr. He is the son of actor, writer, director, and producer Rene Cardona, and he is the father of actor, writer, producer, director Rene Cardona III. Um, so he was born in Mexico City in 1939 and passed away in Mexico City in 2003 at the age of 63. He has exactly 100 IMDb directing credits, uh, and his filmography is all over, the, all over the place. He made exploitation films, he made horror films, he made comedies, he made family films, he made adventure films, he made spy spoofs, and he made science fiction films, and he also made dramas and sword and sandal epics. Like, he did everything. Um, he spent most of his career making Mexican, Spanish, Italian co-productions that were released theatrically mostly in Mexico, Spain, Italy, and Germany. Um, but very rarely in the United States. Uh, he's best known for his run of 1970s films, including Tintorera, which is a post-Jaws shark film, also starring Hugo Stieglitz and Susan George. And that's another film that got him in trouble for animal cruelty because a shark was killed uh, on screen in Tintorera. Um, 
he also did the film Gorilla's King, which was a film made to cash in on the 1976 remake of King Kong, also starring Hugo Stieglitz. Uh, he did the film The Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle in 1977, starring John Huston and Hugo Stieglitz. John Huston, wow. Yeah. He got a lot of actors while they were slumming. Um, he did the film Cyclone, starring Arthur Kennedy, Carol Baker, Hugo Stieglitz, and Olga Carlatos, who we should remember from Lucio Fulci's Zombie. She, of course, plays the wife of the doctor who gets the splinter in the eye. Um, and he also did some a couple sleazy uh, true events movies. So he did the film Survive, which was based on the story of the uh, rugby team that crashed in the Andes and had to resort to cannibalism. He did this film in 1976. Okay, alive. Alive, yeah. But Alive was the 1992 version. Yeah. Who was that in that Ethan Hawke and... Ethan Hawke, Vincent yeah, Spano, yeah. a few others. Yeah. I saw that when it came out. Not in theaters, but like when it came out on uh, VHS, we rented it and watched it. I haven't seen it since and haven't thought about it since either. Yeah. So it was... Um... Oh, sorry. That was actually Ray Cardona Sr. who did survive. Um, Cardona Jr. did direct the Jonestown-inspired film Guyana, Crime of the Century. <laughs> Nice. A Guyana <laughs> Cult of the Damned, uh, which came out less, yeah, which came out less than a year after the actual Jonestown mass suicide. Jesus, yeah, he was a crass uh, exploiter of true events. Um, the film was marketed with the slogan "The movie that dares to tell the truth," despite the fact that it actually changes all the names and fictionalized characters in it because they didn't want to get sued by anyone, like any of the family members. Uh, and when it was released, both Siskel and Ebert, it was Roger Ebert's worst movie of the week when it was released in 1979. Uh, and you got, if you actually go to the IMDb page for Guyana, Crime of the Century, he, the entire episode of Siskel and Ebert that when, in which they review the film is on the IMDb page. It's pretty interesting because they also talk about American Gigolo and a bunch of other films, including- what did they think um, of American Gigolo? Huh? What they think of American Gigolo? I know you it. Yeah, it was a two thumbs up, but they gave two thumbs down to the Dom DeLuise starring comedy Fatso, which I had never heard of. I've watched a lot of those early episodes. Uh, they they refer to them as Dogs of the Week. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and they were reviewing porn movie, hardcore porn at this time as well. This is back when uh, this is pre home video. So yeah. Uh, well, their whole thing was they reviewed every movie that opened in Chicago that week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's where I was reading up on what movie was it? Some movie where it was like it didn't get a very wide release, but it opened on 110 theaters in New York. And you're like, how was that possible back? But back in the 70s, there were thousands of cinemas in New York. 80 um, of those were in Times Square. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's pretty much all the background I have on Night of a Thousand Cats. So, so we don't you know, know what happened to those cats. Uh, I'm assuming they all lived a happy life and uh, are snuggling right now on a farm up north. No animals were harmed in the making of this movie. I did not see that disclaimer. (laughs) That disclaimer was not anywhere on this film. Um, So I guess, Phil, uh, what's your final thoughts on Night of a Thousand Cats? I had a really hard time staying awake for this, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, This is a rough go. Mm -hmm. I was hoping it. I was expecting it to be a fun, uh, a fun, ridiculous movie, and it's the complete opposite. If the premise had matched the title, we would have been okay. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. but it didn't. Um, anything else, Phil? 
No, I, I mentioned that the cats are pretty cute, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kit, what is your final thoughts on Night of a Thousand Cats? I, I had more fun with it, I think. Maybe I was just in the right frame of mind, but I mean, it's just the weird mm -hmm. attempts at like artistic direction and stuff, like the also to pad it out, but like that slow mo scene, uh, slow motion scene is so weird. Mm -hmm. um just just all the looks that uh hugo was given like on his motorcycle with his little scarf and stuff and his friggin' big glasses mm -hmm. uh just all the constant helicopter flying just non-stop um i don't know it was it was funny enough but i mean it's hard to recommend a movie where there's uh some pretty clear signs of um at least slight uh cat abuse and, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah for sure. definitely so i can't go ahead and recommend it but i mean if I'd say there's some moments in it where it's mm -hmm. unintentionally shines. Yeah, that's that was the problem I had with it where I'm just like, oh, this movie is just dragging. It's only 60 minutes long. But the weird artistic endeavors with it, like the and like the constant like, helicopter shots, like it's it's got a mood. Like like, like that one conversation where it's like uh, we, we talked about it earlier, where they're um going was, back forth mm -hmm. uh in different little spots and having this weird conversation also hugo's pipes on mm -hmm. like not one but two scenes he's smoking the strangest pipe just this weird like yeah. old-fashioned looks like a steampunk um oh, yeah. pipe in the uh, in the first scene where he's like i want to put you in a glass box yeah um, you screenshotted that in the group <laughs> chat <laughs> yeah there's there's a lot of style in this movie and that's and that's what's like I, I look back at Letterboxd, I'm like, I gave this thing three stars. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's... You can change those stars after I sometimes do. Yeah, it's, but, it's, um, it's got something that makes you want to keep watching. And when he's uh, playing uh, playing uh, chess, he's got that super long pipe that he's loading. Yeah. When he's beating Doggo the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, just the weird snatches of dialogue that don't make any like sense back to back. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody thought about, like, obviously... <laughs> yeah just the uh the idea that uh you could go by somebody's house when they're not there take their daughter unexpectedly uh mm -hmm. in your helicopter and then return with that daughter and be like look i didn't hurt her and oh, the woman's I, want, like, I want to sleep with you i i totally forgot the first time that kathy goes with him in the helicopter to his mansion she leaves by saying i left my little girl at home alone i gotta go back to her and i'm like what like, <laughs> Kathy's, uh, she makes some bad choices. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, her poor husband seems like a nice enough guy. By the way, the soundtrack is amazing. Like, I love the soundtrack to this movie. So. It didn't make a big impression on me. I enjoyed the super grainy quality of the 2B movie once again. I like how it looks like just the oldest film that is barely hung together with scotch tape at times. Yeah, uh, no restoration was done on this movie. And it probably <laughs> never will be. No, it doesn't need to be. No, it's as good as it gets. Um, I'm very worried about that one white cat. I would like I'm, to know more about it. But. I'm sure the cat was eventually fine. Um, eventually, <laughs> several surgeries later. Yeah. <laughs> so, with all that being said, that was Night of a Thousand Cats, a solid meh from Death by Video. <laughs> um, so, for Death by Video, I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I've been Grant saying thank you so much for watching or listening. Uh, keep watching awesome movies. Stay safe. Good night.